You're listening to the Rainbow Flipper Musical Explosion. Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Rainbow Flipper Musical Explosion. I am your host, CZG123, and I'm in the place to be. And I want to thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you are subscribing. If not, go ahead and subscribe, will you? You can catch this radio show on most major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Amazon, Apple, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and all that jazz. And you can also listen uh, at the Rainbow Flipper Musical Explosion site for tzg 123 blogspot.com there you'll find the embedded radio player which uh, plays all of this show's uh, episodes and you can also check out some of the articles I've written with regards to different aspects of music uh, I have a new article up on there uh, regarding violins and hip-hop so go check it out czg123.blogspot.com and as always please do share this program this radio show with your friends family and enemies yes even your enemies because you never know you can turn them on and they can tune in and drop out to the rainbow flipper musical explosion and then before you know it you two are in a movie theater together sharing some popcorn maybe some goobers it's incredible you can just walk up the block and kick a can do whatever you want because now you're no longer enemies your friends and that's how it works you got to share the show you share the love i try to tell my children you share the love you share the love of music you let everyone hear the music and what's happening you know because there's no better way to uh try to connect than with music and oftentimes we can find something that's certainly relatable so without further ado uh there's a segment on this show that i love to call why music where i interview different people about why they are drawn to music if they're drawn to music and where they got that uh, influences their influences from. Uh, so today, uh, I'm very blessed to have Sister Clem Moss on the program. Uh, she will be here uh, discussing her involvement uh, as a drummer, and also she's an author. She's written From Bonham to Buddha and Back, The Slow Enlightenment of the Hard Rock Drummer, which is really cool, and uh, I'll play a little snippet of it for you now, uh, right after a quick word from our sponsor. For a holiday treat that'll bring good cheer to every family gathering, try the Kentucky Fried Chicken Holiday Special. Twelve pieces of delicious fried chicken, large salad, large potatoes and gravy with six rolls, all for only $8.99. It's a perfect way to spend more holiday time with your family. The Kentucky Fried Chicken Holiday Special through December, wherever you see this banner. With Kentucky Fried Chicken, make your holidays bright. Kentucky Fried Chicken, we do chicken right. Fellas, well, let's move on to the next topic. It's Oscar time. Best, best picture category. What do you think, Frank Dippy? There's too many terrific cops. Pulp fiction got the, got the, let this up with the shit. got the, but okay, one thing about the gum, you got, ooh, okay. Brando, Brando did not want to show up because of the Indians, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, focus, gotta think here. It all comes down to the. That did not go well. All right. Okay, well, Hank Doodle, the floor is yours. Best picture. An old school buddy of mine is uh, in the academy. I don't normally do this, but I called him up, and I says to him, I, 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 I says to him, I says, I says, I says, I says, I says to him, I says, put him right on the spot, and I, 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 I says to him, I says. Pianists are mathematicians colored with streaks of perversion. Bassists, they may be my favorite. 
deep, private, with their own secret garden never revealed. They're usually wonderful company, funny, wry, easygoing, smart. They do not need to be the center of the party, but the party pulls toward them. Strange and interesting in their ways, they tend to disappear and reappear with a kind of magic intuition as to when they're needed. There's something about those low and long sound waves that translate into an intuitive spookiness I've witnessed in bass players I have as friends. They're often slow to react, but incredibly thoughtful and prescient when they do. With us right now on Why Music, I have the pleasure of speaking with Clem Moss. Now, Clem Moss has a load of experience under her belt. She really started getting into music and playing music. Is this safe to say at age seven or 27, right? You got into playing music? Yeah, I mean, I played uh, different instruments as a kid, but I didn't start playing drums till I was 27. Gotcha. So uh, yes, uh, Clem plays uh, drums. Uh, she, uh, in, I'd say the style of John Bonham, uh, hitting hard and, uh, playing with the group known as Zepparella. She's also a, uh, spiritual counselor and author. Uh, she's written, uh, a book from Bonham to Buddha and back. It's the slow enlightenment of the hard rock drummer. Uh, you can visit Clem, C-L-E-M, thegreat.com to learn more about that. And you can find out more about Zepparella by visiting zepparella.com that's z-e-p as in led zep z-e-p-p-a-r-e-l-l-a uh clem thank you so much for uh being on the show and i'm just so excited to speak with you so um growing up in your household who was listening to music where did you get like your influences what were your parents listening to your siblings yeah i love this question because uh it really formed so much of me uh my dad was the ultimate rock and roll lover and uh, 8 a.m. on weekend mornings and, you know, all day if we had a day off, um, it was, you know, the stereo was cranked. And <laughs> he was really he he was really a big fan of um, well, the Stones were his favorite. Right. Um, and of course, he liked the Beatles and um you know, Bob Dylan, that kind of stuff. But then he, he really liked like John Lee Hooker um, and um, uh, wow. Leonard, Leonard Skinner and kind of that Southern blues rock kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. was really, he was really into that stuff. Um, and so that, all of that was a huge influence on, on me. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and how about uh, anyone else in your family when you were growing up? Did, were you hearing any other types of music? Yeah, so um, when I was really young, I spent a lot of time over at my grandma's house, and um, she had sung very briefly with Benny Goodman at one time. Wow. And, uh, I know, I know, I know. They wanted her to go on tour, and, and her dad said no, and so she didn't. So, oh, um, my God. I know. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Um, so, so she uh, was a big music lover, and um, when I would go over there, it was Lawrence Welk. You know, a lot of Lawrence Welk, watching Lawrence Welk and like dancing around and all of the songs and commenting on the songs. And then uh, my mom knew every word to all of those old standards. So wow. she would always be singing them around, you know, whenever, you know, whenever yeah. it was appropriate. Yeah. So your mom's mom 
influenced your mom's taste in music. Is that safe to say? Well, I mean, she knew all of those old songs, but my mom loved the Stones too. Right. You know, okay. Um, when when she went to see the Stones and um, uh, uh, who opened for him? Guns and Roses opened up for him. She's wow. like, you know, Axl Rose is cool and everything, but you know, <laughs> nobody holds a candle to me. <laughs> Isn't that that's amazing? I know, I know. She's also the person who, when she brought um, she brought somebody to one of her friends uh, to one of those Zapparella shows, and her friend mm -hmm. said, "How does the guitarist know to play that that guitar with a violin bow?" And my mom turned to her and was like, "Jimmy Page did it. That's why." <laughs> <laughs> amazing. That's also amazing that the guitarist and Zapparella plays guitar with. Uh, that's not easy with the bow like he did you know she's amazing she's amazing yeah she's um, amazing. so what i mean was it your pop listening to that sort of classic hard rock stuff that got you how did you get drawn or rather how did you discover led zeppelin what was it about led zeppelin well let so led zeppelin was where my dad and i kind of um diverged you know for so yeah. long my dad's music was my music and then you hit about 13 years old and you're like hey wait a minute i need something that's mine yeah sure and uh you know i was i grew up in southern california and the radio was such a big deal to me like just i was just glued to the radio so um wow. zeppelin was was mine yeah totally yeah uh, and, yeah i think it was a little hard for my dad so he never really loved zeppelin interesting um, yeah so uh that's yeah. really interesting and then uh mm -hmm. when you're at school are they kind of the rage what are what are folks listening to at uh, uh at, at your school when you're growing up are, are you influenced by your schoolmates and your friends musical tastes or or do you listen and you're like yeah well i prefer my music like did anyone else have an effect on you know the music that you listen to and the music that you you love to listen to well, I didn't have very many friends in high school. <laughs> oh, who does? Really, who does? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, but I did have a couple friends, and I think we listened to music together. I think I was always the one, like, even as a little kid, mm -hmm. you know, having a birthday party and trying to play everybody, like, the band, you know, Planet yeah. Waves, and realizing, like, oh, kid, like, I'm kind of an oddball out right now listening to this kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> Uh, it was my dad's fault. <laughs> so, aside from your grandmother uh, being musical, obviously she she has this voice. She's performing with Benny Goodman. Anyone else in your family musical other than yourself and your grandma? Well, the funny thing is that during the pandemic, my mother mm -hmm. uh, became uh, reunited, kind of uh, over Zoom, with a lot of her cousins. Okay. And. Um, and I didn't know this, but my, so she's the oldest of nine and, uh, her dad was the oldest of, I think seven hmm. and all of them were musical. Got and, it. Interesting. um, one of them had a big band in New York city for like 50 years. Wow. Um, and he, he was a drummer. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even know okay. that. I know. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, wow. So that's, that's really, that's really neat. And now my little nephew, both my nephews are really interested in the drums. One of them is like in the band and wow. um, the jazz band and the orchestra. I mean, he's really going all out in high school. So and, and, and for you, Clem, why drums? What drew you to playing the drums? 
Well, I played a bunch of instruments, and then I was like, okay, I'm a writer. That's what I really went to school for and everything. And then um, right. I was – I felt like I – you know, I was in my mid-20s. I was kind of goofing around, and I wasn't really writing. I felt like I didn't have anything to say, and I really mm. was longing for some kind of creative output that involved other people. Sure. And uh, I was – my boyfriend of the time was a recording engineer and a musician, and um, – and so I was around a lot of music. So when I said, you know, I think maybe I'd want to take a drum lesson, like I had resources around me to do that. Right. You know? That's great. Yeah. And then it's interesting to note, so uh, up until you actually sit behind the set and start taking it seriously around that age of 27, uh, what what really puts you into the drummer's seat, like at that time? Had you been focusing on the writing? And, and sort of in and, and books and getting more into that. And then is it safe to say that drumming was an afterthought that then drew you into and you're like, you know what, this is the ultimate freedom? Like, I'm just so curious mm -hmm. to know at 27 yeah. how you dive into it and not say it's, 17 it's late, or right? 18, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's late. Yeah, I, um, I, I it really is just that drums are my instrument. You know, yeah. and when I started um, playing them, you know, my boyfriend was like, well, here, I'll show you some stuff. And we had like, you know, kind of a, a little like we had a drum kit. Uh, I mean, a, a kick pedal on a cardboard box and a snare drum and a hi-hat. So um, he showed me a bunch of stuff. And then, I don't know, pretty soon it was like I'd get home from work and that's kind of what I wanted to do. And I'd never had an instrument that I wanted to practice. Right. <laughs> I wanted to play. Yeah. Um, it was just always to a go chore. Right at it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a chore. So it was really just the drums. Like, yeah. yeah. Um. So in your band you have uh, Anna Christina, Gretchen Men, mm -hmm. Holly West, and yourself. How did you all meet? Uh, to you know to to play together in Zeppelin? Was it this common bond and love for Zeppelin? Who did you meet first? How did this happen? Yeah. So uh, twenty years ago, I was playing in an ACDC band with. Gretchen Men, uh huh, called ACDC. They're out of the Bay Area here. Amazing, amazing. And, uh, yeah, she was Angus. I was Phyllis, and um, <laughs> it was really, really fun. And we wanted to play more. And yeah. I told her that a couple of years before, I had uh, kind of gone to the original band I was in that toured a lot. Uh, yeah. The name of it was Bottom from New York City, and. Um, and I was like, here's a bunch of Led Zeppelin songs that I think would be really cool. And what if we started to like kind of do some, like we could do that kind of project on the side. Yeah. And they didn't go for it. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And so uh, Gretchen and I were talking one day and I was like, well, you know, I've always wanted to learn Bonham's parts. And she's like, oh, I really want to learn Jimmy's parts. And I'm like, well, if we're going to learn them um, together, we might as well do it on, you know, play them on stage. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how the band started. And then Anna came in pretty quickly after we began the band. And then mm -hmm. um, and she left for a little bit in the middle. Um, and then she came back. Right. And then Holly's been, I think, maybe five years now. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, how important to you? I mean, I think it's pretty important. I think it's actually uh, kudos to you guys. Or rather say ladies why why is there something that drew you to 
doing the, you know, ACDC, uh, Zeparellas, to have an all-female band play predominantly male-dominated music in the, in the music industry and everything like this. And, and most bands uh, that I'm aware of who, who've gone out and play Zeppelin or they play Nirvana, it's always dudes. So this is very refreshing to learn about you, Clem, and uh, your band's histories. Um, how much of that was important to you and vital to you? Like, would you have cared, for instance, if, uh, you know, you met a, a bassist who was a male and was like, yeah, you know, I can play these. Like, did you, was it intentional to stick with all female? You know, I asked myself that question a lot. Like, why have I mostly only played, I haven't only played with female bands. In my original okay. bands, I play with men. Mm -hmm. Um and I have been in um, kind of short-lived, different short-lived bands with men in them. But, um, you know, these long, these are long-term relationships, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know, I, I feel like, um, you know, I started off in New York um, playing with singer, a singer-songwriter for a while, and then, you know, uh, kind of joined and then recreated a band um into this band this three-piece metal band called bottom and um that was really known for touring a lot like one year we just gave up our apartments and moved into the van and played overnight mm -hmm. um and we were known as kind of like a stoner rock band right okay. this is yeah. in the early early aughts and, mm -hmm. and late 19 or whatever so, um and then um and so that those were women right two other women and then mm -hmm. when i moved to san francisco at the end of that big long tour um and i saw that somebody had put an ad in to play phil rudd's parts and then it just happened that it was a female band interesting um, because i was like oh that'd be something to do kind of when i'm home you know? yeah learn phil's parts um and then, um, you know, it just made sense that I would play with the same people that I was playing with, you know, in those two projects and the next project. So it was more yeah. happenstance. But also, I don't know, I feel like, you know, women communicate in a different way and it just feels conducive yeah. to, to uh, making music for me. Well, that's uh, that leads me to my next question. In the bands that you're with, with males, when you compare it to uh, nowadays, What's the dynamic? Do you notice a, a, a difference in the dynamic when you're in the studio and you're rehearsing and things like this, or you're playing live? Is is do you find a, a difference in the dynamic of the band when you're working with males versus? I mean, I'm only imagining, and I, you know, I'm only imagining yeah. that uh, yeah. it's an, it's easier uh, for women in a band to delegate what songs to do, who's going to do what. And, and there's kind of no resistance met, whereas men seem driven by ego from like all the stories I've heard, you know, but I may be wrong. What, did, what, what in your experiences, what did you find? Um, well, I only know, yeah, I only know from my experience, but I feel yeah. like for one thing in the, in Separella, um, the thing is that the thing that we don't have to deal with is creativity. Right. I mean, we're creative in our soloing and how we like adapt Zeppelin to what we do. You still have to be talented. Um, yeah. 
Well, I mean, you, there is still a creative element, but it's not creative like, you know, this is a song that I sat in my bedroom and wrote, and now I'm going to bring it to you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you do that in a band and you start to, well, I think that, you know, maybe it, the guitar line would be, you know, this, well, I don't, I didn't really hear it like that. Like all of those kind of creative control things mm -hmm. don't enter into a tribute band. So we get to just get along. Totally. No, <laughs> we don't that's have great. to deal yeah. with all that stuff, right? Yeah. And then it, I would say in yeah, the um, totally, because it's not your right. The, yeah. Yeah, and then in the in the original bands, you know, I'm the the main songwriter, right? Um, mm -hmm. And in one band, it's like in both bands, it's with one other person, right. and so that's a really lovely. Um, relationship but then ultimately i'm the one telling everybody like kind of how i think it should go right sure, and sure. i would say that like just in a kind of silly way i would say that when i'm playing with women i always feel like i'm the lazy one <laughs> like i'm the one who's kind of like doping around when i play with men i feel mm -hmm. like um i feel like i gotta kind of lead everybody or everything will go to hell like Interesting. <laughs> that's my that's my impression that's so cool that's probably just my personality yeah. uh, um and uh you you zapparella do you guys play all over the country zapparella would you say yeah um and i guess that is this what leads to you uh feeling, I guess, driven or the need to share a memoir with regards to, I guess it's it's life on the road and being able to find some spirituality in that in that process and everything go through. Is this correct? Yeah, yeah kind of. I, um, you know, I, I started meditating seriously and I started playing drums in the same year when I was 27. Interesting. Um, and so I, I um, when I started writing the book, I started writing little pieces about how my my meditative practice kind of bled into a weekend on the road with the band. You know, I'm playing at altitude. How is my mind telling me that it's impossible for me to do? And how do I get over the internal noise, right? right. By kind of, um, you know, depending on those that training that I get sitting on a meditation mat. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really, um, you know, where the book started is mm -hmm. just trying to put my pieces together. I have kind of these different parts of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and I've started in my, my elder uh, statesman years, I've kind of started to see it all as kind of uh, one thing. Yeah. yeah. And what's the balance? You know, I think it's interesting because, you know, I feel like spirituality and uh, mental health care. They, music plays a part in those things. I feel like, you know, mm -hmm. as you, I'm sure you know, endorphins are released and you get these good feelings and it takes you back to a time. Um, how important do you feel <laughs> that combination is in order for you to be a spiritual advisor and help others having this background in music? Do you find that they kind of combine or are they separate? Like this is spirituality, this is music. No, no, it's, it's all the same thing. I mean, when I'm sitting on... The drum throne i'm looking for that same stillness this that same like infinite power place mm -hmm. um um and i'm i'm trying to get out of my way so i can let that play the drums right mm -hmm. when i'm walking around in my life and doing all the other stuff that i do i'm trying to 
move with from that same kind of place of you know stillness and um, and equanimity. Um, so I don't think it's. Um, I used to think it was two different things, but I think it's all one thing. Mm -hmm. And I th it's funny because you don't think of John Bonham as um, you know as like this meditative guy, right? We've heard all of the stories about sure. that, but. Uh, but in his playing, I hear quite a bit of um, yeah, just really deep wisdom, like deep knowledge of authority and like so many things. And I wanted to write about that as well. Why in uh, your title do you refer to it as a slow uh, enlightenment? <laughs> because it because it is. You know, I mean, I think I don't think anybody's enlightened, right? I don't think right. we do, I don't just don't think the point is to get there. Yeah. I think the point is is all of the little potholes and um, you know spinouts along the way. That's really where we get our learning. Um, yeah. Where things start to you know light gets shed for us. So. Well, so it's kind of a silly. Yeah, and you have this background in writing. Uh, I'm curious to know, uh, and then also it's. This book obviously is—it's you, you know. It has—it's a very deep meaning to you. How easy? What was the writing process like? Did it did it take you a while? Did it just flow right out of you? Uh, well, I mean, it kind of started as blog posts, so I would write, you know, um, with regularity with that. And then at the during the pandemic, I was like, okay, well, maybe now's the time to put the book together. And then I thought, um, oh actually it's not as easy as just kind of sticking the pieces together i had to right. write the write a whole bunch of more to kind of make it coherent so. totally um what do you make of john bonham's son as a player as a drummer i think yeah yeah he was a fantastic drummer um i think you know it's really funny when i hear him play i mean i love it when he played you know the o2 concert or when he plays um you know zeppelin you know his um solo thing is really wonderful to see mm -hmm. um a celebration of his dad um and he plays really well um mm -hmm. but you know i think the difference in his playing is um that he grew up in the 80s mm -hmm. and drumming was markedly different mm -hmm. you know it really mm -hmm. was like the seeds yeah of what it was but i mean the sounds the um the double kick pedal thing the mm -hmm. you know all of that really i mean you know john bonham and um, dave lombardo you know they're two kind of seminal players right yeah. but look how different look how different they really are mm -hmm. um in their approach so i feel like uh jason was really influenced yeah. but how could he not be of course right? and so of course. so i i so i hear a little bit of Metal. You know, the beautiful thing about John Bonham is that when I see drummers play John Bonham's parts, like I see some people who really um, emphasize the technical, some really emphasize kind of the big ringy jazz sound, mm -hmm. some are like funk, some are real metal uh, approach, yeah. some are really wild, and all of them are correct. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, and totally. so it it's such a joy to see other people interpret it there's so much there to so many yeah. different ways you can go with it totally um who would you say i don't mean to put you on the spot who would you say are your top three favorite drummers or or and that can include what uh, aside from bonham uh which drummers had influence on you and or, and you would hear them play and be like i definitely want to do that aside from bonham 
Like who else, yeah. what other drummers would you say had an effect on you? Or you can listen well, to them and I, just be like, wow, you know? Yeah. I think Levon Helm was really profoundly influential on me because Definitely. I just loved the band so love much them. growing up. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I love the simple player who plays for the song. I just, you know, yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of my thing. Um, that that I love to do and to listen to. Um, yeah. I mean, I love all. I I do love all drumming, but sure. What I gravitate to listening to are are is you know that kind of poetic way of playing. Yeah, I think a lot um, of the times Ringo gets a bad rep, right? Because he's not flashy, but he just lays mm-hmm. it down. You know, I think that's what people yeah. forget about Ringo's style of playing. He, you know, he there's he's not he's just not flashy. He's not going to give you all these fills. But he's just well, going to lay it down, you know? And yet the crazy thing is when you hear Ringo drumming, you know it's Ringo drumming. Yeah. Like, how do you have yeah. a signature? Like, it, you're, it's such a signature. Like, that's a seminal player, right? Where it's like yeah. you hear him and you're like, there can be nobody else, you yeah. know? And nobody can quite do it that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, that's Bonham yeah. and Keith Moon. You know, I can hear those guys yeah. play without knowing what it is. And you're just like, okay. Those are yeah. those guys, you know. Those are uh, those guys, yeah. And did yeah, you listen yeah. to any jazz growing up? I mean, other than you know, uh, you know, your, your grandmother's playing in big bands and playing with Benny Goodman. Uh, did that? Did you have any any interest in big band or jazz music when you were growing up? Uh, well, I really loved the big band stuff, and um, I I was uh, crazy for old movies. Mm-hmm. So I love all of the old standards from like the. Fred Astaire movie, kind of movies, right? Yes. Um, the and the musicals, those kind of musicals like Barbara Streisand just knocks me out. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I really loved the musical kind of stuff. Um, but beyond that, I remember asking my mom like, "Can you get me a record that sounds like that music that's in like the Fred Astaire movie?" And she got me like Scott Joplin or something. Like oh, she wow. didn't quite. I must not have explained it correctly, or and it was not. You know, <laughs> yeah. like was like. That's not it. Like, there's something else out there. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, do both drumming and uh, being a spiritual advisor to, to people needing your services, um, do they come naturally for you at this point in your life? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I try not to... Um, I feel like my days of suffering are when I question, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I just work really hard to just not question. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of toddle along, you know, on this little path that I've chosen, which is why I said slow enlightenment, right? I feel there like I'm okay. just kind of like taking one step in front of the other. And, you know, this is kind of where my life has yeah. brought me. So, yeah, I try not to. You know, question. I feel it's, uh, it's really interesting uh, musicians and the idea of spirituality. You know, I find, of all the genres, I think it's really interesting how um, I guess I find a lot of obviously in gospel, in jazz, uh, mm-hmm. some rock. Do you get? Do you sometimes wish that uh, only for the musicians' sake that they get they would get more into spirituality? Do you feel like that would help a lot of musicians? with stage fright, with fame. I mean, do you think, uh, are you under the impression that like a path of 
or at least acknowledgement of some sort of spirituality and getting to the sense of enlightenment can help artists? Well, I, I don't know that I would say that because I think that everybody has their own understanding of spirit, what spiritual, what spirituality is, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, some of the kindness, most giving people in the world, I, I know are atheists, right? So right. I don't, I don't really um, need to understand where somebody is coming from that way. And I think mm -hmm. that you know, one thing I will say is that um, musicians really understand the long game. Mm -hmm. And they have to sit very quietly for hours and hours and hours and hours doing the same dumb thing over mm -hmm. and over. Yeah. And that is, that is meditation. Yeah. And so I think what we call things, it doesn't matter if I call it practicing your guitar or meditation. Yeah. You're, you're in the same place. Yeah. You really are in the same place. And and then ultimately, um, any spiritual practice, the end goal is um, compassion, open-heartedness, being able mm -hmm. to be undefended when we're meeting the other in the world, and mm -hmm. in that way, be of most service to others. And so music, you know, for a musician who's really pouring their heart out on stage, they're open, they're giving. And um, yeah. I think that's a magical, that's a really magical thing for the artist to be. At Plato's retreat, you can make your dreams come true. Fulfill your wildest fantasies, we've got them all for you. The pleasure and the fun will keep you Plato's Retreat, located in the Ansonia Hotel, is a unique club open to free-thinking adult couples. We offer a relaxing, no-pressure environment, complete with heated swimming pool and that great disco beat. Plato's may not be for everyone, but you won't know until you try it. For more information, call... The pleasure and the fun will keep you feeling young. It's for you. It's for you. Plato's Retreat. It's for you. What do you think of the myths and legends of, you know, Led Zeppelin's mentioned in this, uh, you know, Robert Johnson, the idea and the notion of selling one's soul to the devil, right? <laughs> uh, I think it's such an interesting mythology and legends that, that have come, you know, even Bob Dylan during this uh, famous 60 Minutes interview years ago said, uh, he was asked, like, so what's kept your career going? He goes, I made a deal with the devil. So I think it's like, <laughs> real, what, what's your take on that? Like, do you think there's anything to it? Do you think it's just hogwash? Do you think, like, that's silly? Or do you think, like, something's arranged with the darker force so they can become famous? Because uh, they say John Paul Jones was the only one in Zeppelin who did not make the deal with Satan. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just, well, for one thing, I don't really believe in satan um I, so right there it's kind of kind of blows it out of the water um i do believe that there is definitely negative energy but um you know i think that um i would say maybe uh maybe devoting their soul to um to the light i think you know for yeah for so many people i think yeah. Um, you know, I really love that thing where, you know, Bach said, you know, this music isn't mine. It's just coming through me. 
Right. You know, and right. I think the the greats have a have a little bit of that energy to them. Yeah, I was discussing this uh, with someone else, uh, and they said the hell and the deal with the devil is really the hell of touring, recording. In other words, like that's that's the devil. That's the hell, right? That one has to go through with just like the promotion of the band, getting your name out there, getting on the road. Which I think is maybe a fair point. I mean, did you ever feel like when, you know, you're loading up the drums and you're going, are you like, wow, like these are the dues that I have to pay and this is kinda like a hell, like I'm carrying a bass drum into a place or I'm setting up and these you know, these guys messed up the sound, I'm doing the sound check and you, would you consider never, that? I, no? I could never see my life as any <laughs> part of hell. There are people there are people right now in the world who without getting too dark who are really going through what I would call hell. Yeah. Um, I'm fortunate in every aspect of what I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Um, I maybe th I would th say the hell would be maybe um, having to succumb to somebody else's vision. That would to me that would be that would be my form of hell. Yeah, um, that's would interesting. Be having to not being able to create um, and be free with creation. Yeah, that, you know that would be a very challenge, a big challenge for me. Sure. Um, so everybody's got their own idea of hell. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, mine's tax day. Um, <laughs> I just sent my taxes in today. I'm so uh, proud of lucky. myself. God bless you. Um, what, do you listen to any contemporary music or do you tend to fall back on that which you love and music of yesteryear? Have you tried to give a listen to today's music? I do. I, I, do, I do. I really do. I really try. And, um, and what do you think? I have to say... Yeah, I have to say that, well, I love music. I love all music. Sure, you know, um, same. I don't, you know, if people are excited by it, um, yeah. about creating it, you know. Um, my curator, I have a great curator in my husband. He's one of those people who's like an encyclopedic, like music lover, vinyl collector, all of that. Like, I, That's it, great. It's like I... I go into a record store with him like he can't utter words, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I'm going down the street and I'm getting some wine, like you can stay here. Um, so, uh, yeah, so he, he keeps me up to date with what's going on in the world. So that's that's very, uh, I'm lucky that way. That's amazing. Uh, oh, you know, I don't, forgive me, but I, uh, going back, what was the, was the, your, your book, that we've been talking about was that your first uh, uh, book that you that you had written? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have mm -hmm. any? Uh, I, does, did that process make you want to do more? Are you going to keep writing? Are you going to write another book? Can we expect another one from you? I don't know. I don't know about. Uh, I mean, I probably will write another book, but I don't know what it will be about. I have something kind of germinating in my head, but I don't know if I'm brave enough to write that. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so, uh, but I, I, you know, I write, I just wrote an article for the Roland website. Um, they cool. asked me to write things about different songs. I wrote about uh, Stevie Wonder's Superstition. Great. Um, yeah, the drum beat on that, which Amazing. was like really great. Yeah, really so great. So good. Um, and so, yeah, so I do kind of articles like that and stuff, but yeah. We'll oh, that's see really that. cool. That's yeah. Is it, uh, so, would you say that article writing, which is easier for you? Which was easier for you, like writing writing a book 
or is it easier for you to to sort of dive in and write articles? What comes more naturally for what came more naturally for you? I don't know. I don't really see them that differently. Yeah. Yeah. Just writing. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah writing in general. Uh, mm -hmm. And do you feel do you feel the need to have to write? I mean, obviously your background is in writing. That's right where you mm -hmm. went to school from, and around the same time, uh, you're you're starting to play music. Um, but yeah, how? What kind of role does writing in general and uh, reading play in your life, and how much of like that is your your create your your creativity? Like, do you feel that that helps with your drumming? Being able to be that creative, and then you're like, oh, then I can therefore also do this. It's just getting creativity. In other words, do you explode or implode if you're not creative, in some way? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I do. I think I I fall under depression. Yeah. Um. Right now, um, my writing is, um, I'm really kind of obsessively writing songs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I good. Um, I know, it's been really fun. Like, this is, I was it's like, oh, I wonder what my next project is going to be. And, um, like, suddenly, I have a record that's done um, that cool. uh, is with the guitarist, Daniele Guitardo. Um, it's a nine-song record, nine songs, yeah, nine-song record that I just have to get my butt in gear to release, but, um, totally. meanwhile, like, in the past couple months, I don't know, it's, I've had this big flow of songs, so, um, yeah, I'm kind of working on, I think I'm just going to release them song by song. Great, and, uh, do you collaborate with your husband? Do you two make, uh, mm -hmm. no, no? No, uh, we're both, um... We both need to be in charge. <laughs> there you go. Got it. We've managed. We've managed to work it out over twenty years of trying to figure out how to how to yeah. make that work. And uh, I think introducing uh, that kind of collaboration into the marriage might be a little challenging. <laughs> Say no more. Say no more. Uh, so you know, I asked you to select uh, three songs for this uh, for this episode. I know it's a very tall task, but on uh, why music? I, I love to figure out like which songs mean something to people's lives. So right now we're going to jump into Sister Clem's Rainbow Flipper musical explosion and we'll come back and find out why did she choose these songs? Why did she choose these? Right after this. The canoe message. It's spelled C. Come on over. A. Alone. Etc. Et Canoe. The man's cologne from Dana. Wear it. She'll get the message. Oh. C A N O E. Canoe, canoe.
Send me blue valentines all the way from Philadelphia to mark the anniversary of someone that I used to be. Check in in my rearview mirror. That's why I'm always on the run. That's why I changed my name. I didn't think you'd ever find me here. Send me. Tattoo, broken promise. I gotta hide beneath my sleeve. I'm gonna see you every time I turn my back.
You better hold on to your hats, cause there's more. So that was Sister Clem's Amazing Rainbow Flipper Musical Explosion. You just heard Blue Valentine by one of my favorites, Tom Waits. Why did you select this amazing track? Well, um, I have different aspects of uh, what I love in music, and one of the top three is uh, lyrics. And Tom Waits, to me, is... Um, he's just—he's <laughs> invited to dinner at my house any night. Like he is just such yeah. a big part of my heart. I, yeah, his mastery of language is just beyond. It's yeah. so impactful, and this song—it just kills me. There were years where I couldn't not listen to this song. It's so heartbreaking yeah he just is spilling it all out there yeah. and and yeah. yet it's so it's also like um it's just universal these feelings that he's having you know? yeah so um for sure and i love this whole album this blue valentine album i mean i love tom all the way to now like everything yeah. he's ever done 
I'm a huge fan of, but um, yeah, this is a this I have a soft spot for this one. Also, one of those uh, few. Uh, well, actually, there are a bunch, but uh, musicians who cross over and try to act. He's a good actor, I gotta say. You know, Down by Law he's is one of my favorites. He's just like, he's just like yeah. amazing. And I feel in terms of spirituality and everything, like he has so much soul. You know, his music's yeah. so honest and so real that for me, that's why I gravitate towards him. And uh, yeah, it's just his voice with, as you said, like his lyrics is just like, he can take a heartbreaking song like this and you're just like so drawn to it. You know, it's not. I don't know how he does yeah. that. It's pretty amazing. And his phrasing know, he's, is just like incredible. He says he, I know. He says he loves um, terrible stories set to beautiful melodies. Um, I really love that. <laughs> That's a I love great all of quotation. His, right? I love all the stories of the way that he recorded things, you know? Um, yeah. Like having heard, like, he's really creative about that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And... Um, and I love that he takes phrases that we've heard mm -hmm. and he twists them around. And there's just this, he's like a puzzle maker, you know, in a way with language. I, I just, I'm so admiring of his ear. Yeah. And then finally, he's so compassionate. Like the characters who are singing, like he has such a love for them. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And that really comes through too. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, how much of that do you feel uh, is coming from his own life versus the percentage that's just diving into a character, making characters, and telling stories that have nothing to do with him? What do you think the mix? Do you think I, there's what mix? Do you think? Yeah, I think he takes a, a emotion that he's felt and he tell he 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 finds somebody to tell the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Now, a song like this, Blue Valentine, mm -hmm. um, it does feel, this one feels particularly personal. There are particular totally. personal ones yeah. um, that feel really personal to me um, that he might be speaking of but, um, his own life. But I feel like for the most part, he's, um, you know, he's, using, he's using imagery. Yeah. I feel in so many ways he's like our generation's Leonard Cohen. Do you think that that's a mm. safe thing to say? Leonard Cohen, Bob Dylan, like these yeah. are the masters. Yeah, these are the, the masters. masters of language. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and you said it was your pop who was listening to Leonard Cohen? No, uh, no. No? I thought someone... Just me. Just you, okay. You So you found Leonard, <laughs> Leonard Cohen on your own, right? Yeah? I did. Yeah, okay. yeah, I did. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he's amazing, but... Uh, he is amazing. Uh, and then Cat, before that, Cat Stevens is and Cat Stevens is another one too. Yeah, like I always loved. I, I heard some Cat Stevens the other day. I was like, oh, why haven't I listened to Cat Stevens in a long time? His his words are so poignant. Oh my yes. god, yes, right poignant yeah. and also uh, you could, he's spiritual and that comes out in his music. You know, it does. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. I'm getting chills talking about these guys. You know what I mean? Me I'm just too. like, oh, me too. Um, now, I was so surprised and pleasantly surprised that before that we heard Civilized Worm by the Melvins, whom I've mm -hmm. had the pleasure to see. They're easily one of the loudest shows that I've ever been to. But Buzz mm -hmm. Osborne is just such a, I mean, he's an organism that keeps doing what the organism does best. 
He's just such a beast, you know? Uh, why, th why this song? And why the Melvins? Like, that's, it's, I mean, I guess you're into the heavy. Like, you have to be, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. But why, th they've done, they're very prolific. Why Civilized Worm? I, this is my favorite song of theirs. And it's so goofy, but every time I've seen them and they play this song, and they play this song in almost every yeah. show that I've seen them recently. Yeah. Um, I just, I get this big flutter. I, like, I love this, I love this song, you know? Um, yeah. And I think this, um, this is the album that Cody Willis was playing drums with Dale. Oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah, Dale. And, or, yeah, and, um, those shows were amazing yeah. because they're both. I mean, Dale is my love him most influential drummer. Like when I started playing drums, yeah, and I would see, and I saw the Melvins. It was like this little the top of my head kind of blew off. Like oh, like all these light bulbs came on. And mm. then every single time I've seen Dale play, the next time I go into play, like I play different. You know, mm. it's just, there's something about his playing. Like, I just, I feel his playing. I get mm -hmm. his playing. And, mm -hmm. um, and you know, I was in that stoner rock band, uh, Bottom. And, yeah. um, you know, that was a similar kind of style. Like, hitting really hard. Yeah. Um, and um, a lot of kind of slow, like, being able to do slow, really scary and heavy. Yeah. Um, and then being able to take off. Um you know, it's it's kind of uh, my wheelhouse now. Dale is heads and shoulders above, you know, where I'll ever be. But um, mm -hmm. as a drummer, he's a very creative drummer. Yeah. Um, he doesn't play like anybody else. Absolutely. And, um, and it fits yeah. what and the Melvins do. It, like, fits perfectly. Yeah. I remember hearing um, Buzz say that, you know, Dale, that, or Dale saying that Buzz hears things hears things in six right like he has kind of like a a six like a almost a classical sensibility when it comes to rhythm and so mm. that opens a lot of interesting yeah um, ways of playing up for dale and uh i hear that they have you know i mean they're fantastic yes yeah. great band um so as i'm sure you know dale crover was maybe the fourth or fifth drummer to join nirvana at a time that they were looking for a drummer and I don't know if he came right before Dave Grohl, but how do you think the trajectory would have changed had Dale Crover stayed with Nirvana? Uh, well, I, I don't think that, I think that what happened was um, he was filling in. I don't know. Yeah, he was he filling was, in. Right. He was yeah. filling in a couple yeah, times. Yeah, he was filling, because yeah. he, he was in the Melvins by then, and he was totally. like, no, I don't want to leave the Melvins. Right. Um, and of course, the Melvins but, had such um, an impact on Nirvana, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. just, I mean, I yeah, think, he was filling in, but do you yeah. think that that would have changed Nirvana if Dale Crover was like, you know what, I'll play two at the same time, but, you know, I'll go on the road with Nirvana? I don't know. I can't really imagine Dale in um, that situation. I have to agree. Yeah. I have to yeah, agree. I just, just and just per personality-wise, I just can't imagine him in that, um, yeah. in that band. But, yeah. You know. I didn't know him back then, so I don't know. What do you, uh, and what do you make of Dave Grohl as a drummer? Not so much as a guitarist, but drummer. Fantastic. 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 Yeah. Yeah, he's a great drummer. Yeah, he's a great drummer. He's like um, in the tribe, you know, in yeah. the hard-hitting tribe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I forgot to ask you, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, why 
what why drums i mean it's such a physically demanding instrument of everyone on stage right the drummer is sweating and just they take the breaks and they pour the water and they <laughs> it makes you so ugly. you could have just picked up a guitar you know what i mean like <laughs> why the drums well for one thing i'm way too stupid apparently to learn the guitar i've tried to learn the guitar and oh, i could never on. do it and i'm like man every like i've seen some people that i really don't think are very high on the iq meter playing guitar and i'm like <laughs> I, I really am like really really dumb i it's just i just not my thing piano i love like okay. piano, i played piano for eight years when i was a kid and i really love piano but um i don't know but drums just um I don't know they just make sense to me uh when you uh mentioned earlier that uh you probably have enough of an album you've been writing songs are you what are you playing anything other than drums on those tracks that you record <laughs> or that you write well i i mean i i um it's kind of like i write on the computer right so okay. um I create drum beats on the computer and Got then it. I play play live drum beat along with that drum beat. And then oh, cool. I hear then I hear a, a, a vocal melody coming out of the drums and I kind of sing that along and then I pick out on the computer keyboard like the you know the the way the song goes, right? Hmm. And then I give it to people who actually play instruments and let them do it. Great. Okay, so yeah, that's your processes. So you'll come up with the bare bones, yeah, like the blueprint, and then pass it off to another musician. They do their part, send it back to you, and then you're you're mixing literally and producing, yeah. Would you say? Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, that's great. Um, and do you feel like your music is just coming out of you, or do you do you think of a Tom Waits when you're writing a song, or are you just like, you know, I write and I'm just gonna write these songs? You know, do, do other artists pop into your mind? You're like, oh, I kind of like that melody, and da, 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 I like the theme of that. Like, I, I should try, or are you just like, this, I, this is something I got to get out of me. I just, I, I, I just goof for like I goof around. I find a drum beat, and then the song kind of comes from there. Now, when we're, uh, when we're in the process of kind of creating things, I can use other song, other music, music to say, hey, you know, what if the, what if the vibe is like this song, or you mm -hmm. know, see how this. This guitar is playing one note through the solo. Like, how about that kind of stuff? Sure. But, um, but yeah, I think that's as far as it goes. And what uh, software do you like to use to produce your music? Logic. Logic, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, would and how much of this digital age and self-production uh, do you feel has impacted music? Are you excited with the fact that you know? Like you, for instance, you know, you can create music on your own. You can do whatever awesome. you want. It's awesome. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. It, it's yeah. awesome. I mean, the music industry is trying to figure. I mean, I really wish that music artists got paid. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really no nice. Doubt. No doubt. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, you know, the youngsters can figure out how to how to kind of game the system and make it happen. But, um, yeah. you know, but it's 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 a challenge. And uh yeah. get paid but i just think it's so wonderful that everybody can be creative in that way you know all you need yeah. is a laptop and you get to make music and videos and yeah. do all kinds of crazy stuff yeah um actually that was so going back to do you listen to any uh contemporary music who, who out there do you like you know sometimes it's it's hard for me to fish around for like new acts and when i do i can't tell if they're doing it to get likes and exposure and hopefully mm afford to go on a tour i mean 
yeah who are you, who are you listening to these days you're just like oh okay they they got the right idea you know uh well i guess they're not really that new anymore but i okay. really love the kills yeah there you, you know? go i really love the kills and they're i really great. love um i love that singer i love dead weather jack white's band yeah that she was doing that with um allison moss so, what's her name again yeah, allison moss yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. something like that yeah she's she's great and yeah. uh i love everything that jack white does um yeah me too i think that he's super awesome um and then the last band the last person i saw play was devendra van hart oh um, he's great i i adore his great music, his songwriting. yeah yeah um so i don't know that those yeah that's contemporary i mean that's the music, contemporary yeah. but yeah mm -hmm. um yeah Incidentally, and I have to ask, does Allison Moss have any relation to you? You're both Moss? No. <laughs> no? I, no, I'm not born Moss. My husband's not Allison oh, okay. Moss. <laughs> <laughs> Related to him? Is she like his sister? No? I doubt it. <laughs> no, 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 no sister. No sister. <laughs> uh, and then setting off your amazing Rainbow Flipper musical explosion, we heard When the Levee Breaks, classic song by Led Zeppelin. Why, of all their catalog, why When the Levee Breaks? <laughs> Let me guess, it has to do with Bonham's drumming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's the second most sampled drum beat. Yeah. Of all drum beats, second most, next to James Brown, yes, right? Exactly, next to James yeah. Brown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just sounds so good. But um, I chose this one because um you know this is the video that we did in 2010 and mm. um was did really well for us and um mm. and so i think my band is kind of known for that song and i love playing that song i yeah. love the subtleties there's so many subtleties in bonham's drumming that you can hear in this one yes um between the time keeping and then also the pattern on the hi-hat the subtle swing that's going on and yeah i just really and and then the sound of it is just you know incomparable so yeah um yeah so i thought i'd throw in a zeppelin yes <laughs> uh and it's interesting i've always admired how he's able to hit so heavy like he knows when to attack and then when to back off and then have everyone else do their thing you know yeah like, he's yeah. not going to hit so loud to a point that, like, you can't hear what Paige is doing or what uh, Plants yeah. is singing and things like this. But when, no, it's, when it's very musical. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and there's, like, yeah. a method to his madness that I, I don't think people consider when they're listening to this stuff, right? I mean, maybe. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, like, his time signatures and everything else are just, like, kind of, you, you know, when you take a deep dive, it's just so impressive. What is your favorite Led Zeppelin album? You know, it's really, I, I don't know I that I can answer it. I mean, I always say it's Zeppelin 1, right? Because yeah. I just love how they come out of the gate with good times, bad times. But um, when I was uh, growing up, I recorded Zeppelin over a long three-day weekend where they were playing Zeppelin A to Z on the radio. And so I recorded it on my cassette tapes. Wow. <laughs> so I, A to Z. So I never really knew what album anything was on because I was listening on these cassette tapes. <laughs> yeah, man, cassette tapes. I miss being able to write songs and also like liner notes. Don't you miss liner uh, notes? 
Yeah, oh, well, man. we have a lot of vinyl in my house, so there that's kind of coming back. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of coming back. But, you know, if I wanted to get a, get a, you know, like a Kills album digitally, I don't, I think sometimes they offer the chance to, oh, do you want the booklet or something like this? But it's just not the same. You know, I want to really be able to check out the liner. But then it leads, it leads me to believe, do they not write liner notes anymore? Do you think like that's I just falling to the wayside? Yeah. I mean, I think even the, I mean, the Kills are very, um, because uh, she's a visual artist as well, right? right? So they have a lot of artistic kind of digital yeah. stuff, I think, that comes out. But yeah, I do really love taking a big book and opening it up and yeah. like looking through it. I think that's really fun. Yeah. Um, and I have to ask, and I haven't, uh, really, uh, every, you know, every now and then, uh, I bring it back to, uh, spirituality, uh, who, who out there, uh, is important, for lack of a better word, for you and your spirituality? Are there, uh, you know, yes, Buddha, but, uh, you know, Dalai Lama, who, who, who's had an influence on you reaching your enlightenment and spirituality and being able to help others? Well, I've had a, a several amazing teachers. Right. You know, I've been I've been lucky in my life with teachers. I had a great drum teacher, and um, and then um, I've had you know I learned my um, technique of meditation uh, at a ten day silent um, meditation retreat. Oh wow! Um, which is a vipassana meditation, and mm. um, the teacher who started teaching. I don't know, in the 60s or 40s or 50s. I don't even remember. But mm -hmm. um, his name was S.N. Goenka. Mm -hmm. And um, they offer these free, I mean, they're free. They're donation-only 10-day retreats where you have a place to sleep and you have lovely food and they really take care of you so you can kind of dive in for 10 days, which is really hard. <laughs> I would imagine. Um, what happens and, if you don't um, speak? What happens if you're like, what happens if you speak? I mean, you can speak if you want to. I mean, if, but there's no one to talk to. <laughs> right. No, right. I mean, well, it's like you go in and you take a vow of silence. And, you know, at first it sounds really hard. Like, oh, my God, I can't speak. But suddenly, really quickly, you realize, like, this is such a gift. Because I'm mm -hmm. not, to not communicate, like, you know, you're waiting in line in the restroom or something. And, you know, you're not gesturing right and you you're very aware that you don't want to cause anybody to get out of their own kind of insulated thing and so really quickly you realize you're in this like little capsule mm -hmm. of your own mind mm -hmm. and um, your mind starts working differently you start hearing your mind differently um, yeah when that happens so it's a great gift so i would imagine yeah. no it sounds fantastic especially in a world where we're just so overwhelmed i feel by so much content and this and that and there's background music and this person's talking and it's just like so much that yeah it gets back to basics right and i wait in a way i imagine where you kind of get to reset your brain and you don't have to worry yeah. about any of that stuff you know completely yeah, it's remarkable yeah yeah it's remarkable yeah. uh so had i guess that, that your teachers and that experience really had uh, an effect on you yeah to be able to want to share this with uh, others yeah, so that, um, so S.N. Goenka, he was like, you know, kind of my meditate, first meditation um, person. And then um, the person that I learned the counseling method that I work with, um, uh, her name is Issa Gucciardi. She's in Berkeley, California. Um, 
And she uh, created a counseling method called depth hypnosis, which combines uh, Western psychology to like Tibetan Buddhism and, um, and uh, shamanism into a counseling model. So we're learning, we're using kind of um, like these um, shamanic techniques in a counseling setting. Wow. So um, yeah, it's really, really wonderful. Um, uh, and she's at a, um, her school is called the sacred stream dot org uh if anybody's yeah. interested in investigating those kind of those kind of things yeah um, um so she's an yeah. amazing teacher for me and um i have a good friend who's a, a spiritual teacher and she I, she's been my mentor since i was 23 years old i think oh, wow. she's a great friend and so i have these i'm really lucky i have these these great teachers in my life yeah for sure do you find is it easy for you you know i was in for a bit i was in the healthcare industry uh, as a nursing aide and with the goal of becoming a nurse but i eventually had to stop after years and i was going to nursing school because i was unable to separate myself from the patients i was with in other words i would leave good night but i'm taking it home and i'm like wondering about how they're doing it was very difficult for me are you able to separate like if you're counseling and you're helping someone and the session's over, you know, it's the evening, you're with your husband. Are you able to separate and not think about what, you know, your your um, your conference call or, or whatever, or yeah. your meeting with someone uh, seeking spiritual mm -hmm. advice and these kind of things? Are you able to separate or is that something that sticks with you? Well, no, um, I, I am able to separate for a couple reasons. Um, one is, you know, part of the training um, that I received was to understand how to not do that um, and to understand um, that you're of more benefit to somebody when you feel whole rather than you're giving your a part of yourself away right mm -hmm. so there's um, there's a wonderful class at the sacred stream called the path of service which is a four-week course that kind of teaches you how to kind of keep all of your energetic ducks in a row, yeah. right? I wish I took that. Jeez, Louise. Yeah, it's so helpful for, for people in the, that kind of industry. Mm. Um, and then the second thing, the thing about being a spiritual counselor is that, you know, Clem is not the, the one who knows, right? I'm mm -hmm. basically, I'm working to kind of um, open myself up to be able to just hold space for the other person to come to their own conclusions and yeah. um you know so there's a, a way of being able to kind of merge with that field that i'm looking for in that um in that meditative state um mm -hmm. to be able to be a benefit without in imposing clementine's opinions and judgments into it yeah um and that's a uh that's a practice that i i have to keep up daily is to be able to kind of connect into that field so that when I, so that i can really be of service to others without um without uh my own mm -hmm. my own stuff getting in the way uh just curious to know if during the pandemic you saw a spike in those seeking help spiritually I think that, well, I, I definitely saw a spike in, uh, we saw a spike at the Sacred Stream and um, mm. in people seeking to learn, mm -hmm. to learn how to help themselves and how to help others. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people had the time. 
you yeah. know, that was right. a beautiful thing. People really were like, I've always felt there was something else, and, and now I have the, the time yeah. to be able to investigate that. So I think that was a gift, one of the gifts of that time. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, uh, yeah, your background experiences, uh, I, I can only imagine just really help you. You have all these tools under your belt. They're able to serve as a vessel to other people to arrive at, you know, where you arrived and to learn on their own, you know. Mm -hmm. Meditation, mm -hmm. what I love about meditation is like it's really, uh, it's a way to help love yourself, you know. You're kind of, and if you're unable to love yourself, I don't know how you're able to love others, you know. That's something I'm constantly working on, you know. You have to, it's just like a lot of guilt, I guess, is in my situation. Oh, you know, guilt just pulls everything down, you know. Yeah. For me, it was shame. Yeah, it was like I would Same. I would sit in I would sit in meditation and I would just open to this ocean of shame. Yeah, <laughs> and it got to a point where I was like, "Where is this even coming from?" Mm -hmm. You know. And um, the first time I did it, I did this uh, meditation contemplative psychotherapy program, and um, we learned this meditation technique where you're kind of accepting unconditional love from a deity, right? Mm. From the Buddha or whoever. Mm -hmm. And the first time I did the meditation, I just blacked out. Like I came to afterwards, I was like, oh, that feels weird. I must be tired, right? Wow. And then the second time I did it, I just blacked out. <laughs> and I came to you and I was like, oh my gosh, like, can I not feel unconditional love coming to me? And then I sat with it in meditation and I like brought up my mother who I know loves me that way. But there was this little part of me that felt like I had to be something else in order for her to love me. Hmm. And when I realized like, oh my gosh, I don't feel worthy of unconditional love from the divine even, you know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. if I believe in a divine force, like that couldn't possibly love me because I'm not good. Mm. you know and mm -hmm. when i started questioning that stuff everything kind of cracked open and i was able yeah. to finally feel that that energy coming to me and and realize that you know at the i believe that at the base of all reality is this vibration of love you know of real light and, 100%, um, yeah yeah and so to be able to realize that i'm worthy of that then it was kind of like my heart cracked open and I could see how much so many people don't believe that they are worthy of that. You yeah. know, and how many people like all of the bluster is hiding this core belief that they're just bad or not worthy. Not really. Yeah. 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 And it creates a lot of compassion. Do you, uh, are you, uh, not a fan rather what's your take on, uh, I'm so bad at pronouncing it, but you know, going out into the woods and taking uh, from a shaman that the oh ayahuasca yeah ayahuasca and these other you know uh, uh, dosing you know so, to sort Plant of medicine. What do you what do you make of this? Um, well, uh, I'm trained in helping people to um, uh, to understand their experiences in this. You know, integration, plant medicine, integration. Mm -hmm. I'm not somebody who gives somebody plant medicine, but, um, you know, that kind of shaman, but, mm -hmm. um, but I have a lot of tools to help people coming out of those experiences to understand what it was that they, um, experienced. Um, and I think it can be really beneficial to do those things. I think mm -hmm. 
it's a way of seeing the other side of reality and being able to get a, a vision of some of those, um, you know, those big experiences of oneness or yeah. um, no self, you know. Um, but I think what happens in our Western culture is that we are addicted to the experience and we start doing it to get the big experience over and over and over mm -hmm. without really understanding that the big experience sets you on the path. Yeah. Um, sets you on the path to understand that. And it can take a lifetime to understand what it is that you really witnessed or saw. Mm. Um, and I think you people really rob themselves of that consumerist mentality of how many times they've done it and how it goes along. Um, so um that's just my own opinion you know um, yeah. have, having having done psychedelics quite a bit when i was younger and then um you know more recently done ayahuasca and having a really um disruptive experience um mm -hmm. with ayahuasca for like a year kind of set a lot of things in my life off kilter mm -hmm. in um a very difficult way mm -hmm. um and so I feel like I can help people because that does happen, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and I think if I had the tools that I have now, it wouldn't have been as disruptive. So. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting you mentioned the experience over, you know, for the, I guess, the thrill of it and to say, hey, I did ayahuasca, you know, versus like, mm -hmm. I really need to do ayahuasca and see what's going to figure. To me, it's just so like, it, it feels like you're, you're, you kind of, you're, you're facing demons or you're facing that which has held you back. And maybe that's what's overwhelming and, and difficult about it. That's, that's the way I've always interpreted it. Like, it sounds great on paper, but I don't know if I'm ready to go, to go through that process. You know, did you find that when you, when you tried it, when you did it? Yeah, I think it's a big shock to your system. Yeah. Um, and you know what, uh, you know, what my teacher Issa will say, like depth hypnosis is kind of ayahuasca in very slow motion. You're accessing an altered state through deep meditation. Mm -hmm. You're going and you're using the metaphor system of shamanism. So you're maybe seeing a past life. You're seeing, um, different aspects of this reality, energetic, whatever, um, and yet you're doing it in this way that is completely empowered and, um, and slow. Mm -hmm. And you can really take apart these things that have been blocking you and have mm -hmm. been patterns in your life that you want to let go of. And when you take ayahuasca, you're um, at the mercy of the person giving it to you, which mm -hmm. there are many people who are in high integrity who do that, but there are many people who are not. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're in, for the most part, you're in a group of people mm -hmm. and you don't know what's, what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're basically, your system gets blown open. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and That's so heavy. there's a, there's a lot of integration that needs to happen. Um, mm -hmm. and I think, uh, yeah, I think it's when you, you're walking, when you're, well, you're walking into the light fantastic of the psyche. You know, I, I say, you know, sometimes we need a little shove and mm -hmm. uh, most of the time I think slow and steady is the way. Uh, what advice do you have for folks out there who are listening who have tried meditation 
yet they're able to achieve proper meditation because they're so flooded that when they try, because I've heard this from pals and stuff, they try, but they're just incapable of getting to this to that space that you know yes. one trying yeah. to. Any advice to to how to shut the shut everything out and truly experience meditation? Well, um, I think that what we're looking for is that place of stillness within us. Right. right? And some some people find that when they're running. Yeah. True. So I don't. Again, um, I don't think that we just the same way that I don't think we need to name spirituality and with particular you know put things in categories for people i think for the same way that finding that that way of stillness is your own thing if you're really looking and really think that meditation will really help you just start with the breath mm -hmm. just start sitting quietly and just breathing quietly over and over holding the breath in the belly for five seconds blowing it all the way out holding it before you breathe back in gradually you're going to turn on the parasympathetic nervous system which will mm. tell your body that your heart is getting enough oxygen your brain is getting enough oxygen and your thoughts will start to disperse a little bit mm. um, and so i think that any That's breath good. deep breath meditation i think is really great for that another mm. thing too is you can um, investigate walking meditation too which uh, Zen is a Zen practice and I thought that was really lovely too I find myself getting in meditative states when I go on a long walk and I just I'm not listening to anything and I'm just going it's like it, it quiets everything quiets down so um, interesting there's no yeah, there's no right way to do things, but just understand that, you know, what we're looking for is just that moment where we can go inside into that stillness. Yeah. Uh, and we all I, have, we all have it. We and all we all have, have it. it. Absolutely. Uh, I was not aware until right now when you mentioned it, walking meditation. That's so cool. Mm. That's a great tool. I never even, you know, my, I think not only myself, but I think other people, right, like assume meditation, you got to sit and you got to be in this room and blah, blah, blah. Walking meditation, that's really, I'd like to try that. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there are really neat videos um, on YouTube that kind of explain it better than I possibly could. Um, you know, I remember being in Austin, Texas and going for a swim in the river in the morning and um, or in the lake in the morning and there was a woman who was known every day. She was med. She would meditate floating on her back. Wow! And she would just like, and you could see her. She'd like drift into the reeds on the side of the thing and stuff, and she wasn't moving. She was just meditating, like lying on her back in the lake. Wow! So everybody's got their own way to do it. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Uh, I'm just so again. I think it's so. In speaking with you, it's so interesting. Uh. Your, your spirituality and you're hitting the drums really hard. Like, I just... <laughs> they like it. <laughs> that's, they like no, it. it's just, like, so fascinating to me. And then it gets me wondering, like, who... I mean, I don't know. I don't know what other musicians or bands or anything out there focus on that. I'm sure they are. But I just find that such an interesting... Uh, I mean, I think, as you were alluding to earlier, they can merge. But I, I just find yeah. it so interesting that it's not like... It's not like you're playing a, a pan flute. 
right? <laughs> and, and, and you're this spiritual pan flute player. Like you're smashing the hell out of the drums. And then, and then you're, you're doing walking meditation. Like, I just find that so interesting. Is that just like you're bringing together your two loves? I mean, again, is it because like they do help one another? I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure I mean, out what makes you tick and how you're able to do both. You know, not that you can't, well, I'm just kind of surprised, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, um, like you well, listen to the Melvins, I'm sorry. Like you listen to the Melvins, yeah. right? You love the yeah. Melvins, but now you're, <laughs> you know, you're telling me about, uh, you know, walking meditation and your, your mentors. And I'm just like, holy cow. It's <laughs> funny. Uh, well, um, I don't know. I mean, part of what happens when you meditate a lot is you kind of access joy, right? And yeah. so, you know, I get to do what brings me joy. I, I, I don't know. I think that our our manifestation here, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is Clem's little like, what are we here for? I yeah. think it's just to be fully expressed as who we are. Mm -hmm. Like what if everybody is perfect as they are? All they need to do is follow those things where they have that bubbling up enthusiasm and joy for it. Yeah. And just kind of follow your way, follow that along. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you have a child and the child needs a bunch of stuff, then your joy goes to working at the job maybe that you don't like, but you're making enough money, right? I mean, it's right. like it doesn't have to look like you're dancing on a stage, right? I mean, right. It, it, if we if we really tune in and follow like you know what really makes my whole self my being tingle mm -hmm. when i do this and mm -hmm. just move toward that i feel we would be a lot happier and we would let go of some of that shame that guilt yeah. and that feeling like we're not worthy and realize like who said that nobody said that i i get to be fully me yeah <laughs> that's what i'm here for still liberating and, yeah. just like so it's so, it's so real yeah. freedom you know i yeah. gotta say clem like it's just been amazing having you as a guest on the rainbow flipper musical explosion i could literally talk uh to, with you for hours i mean i, I feel that way too chris you ask such good questions and oh it's well, thank really you a pleasure uh i it's just super informative you know and i, I love how the music fits into who you are as a person um and i want to encourage everyone again you can check this episode's description for the links but check out zepparella z-e-p-p-a-r-e-l-l-a.com to find out more about this incredible band that's really rocking out to a point i'd say like you guys are you're led zeppelin you know what i mean like you're, like you're led zeppelin like you're basically led zeppelin led, led zeppelin's gone I'm 18 years old. I'm going to his uh, you know, Zepparella show. Yeah. And I'm like, these guys, like, they wrote. <laughs> these guys, you know, I went to the show last night, and these ladies did this song. It's called When the Levee Breaks, and they're really good, <laughs> you know? And also, uh, do check out uh, clemthegreat.com, C-L-E-M-T-H-E, great.com, where you can order your copy of From Bonham to Buddha and Back, The Slow Enlightenment of the hard rock drummer. And um, I'm certainly gonna get my copy because I'm just so curious. It's just, <laughs> and is it, is it mostly, it's mostly memoir, yes? It's like your experiences and, and posts that you may have made, a culmination of everything? 
Yeah, there's a couple uh, themes. So there's, um, you know, there's a hundred little pieces in the book, and they're all separated. They're separated by um, ten Led Zeppelin songs, and my kind of talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's some uh, stuff from my childhood, kind of what I was doing when I found drumming. Um, that hmm. kind of stuff. It's a little love letter to my dad because he never got to see me play drums. Oh, he man. way before I played, yeah. Uh. Um, so, um, yeah, so there's uh, all, all kinds of little tidbits in there. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. And all listeners, you got you to gotta get this book. You got to listen to uh, Zepparella. And also we have links down below also in this uh, episode description where you can link up with uh, Clem's YouTube, uh, Instagram, and all that great social media stuff. Uh, Sister Clem, thank you so much. This whole, this whole conversation so itself was enlightening. So oh, mission accomplished, you know? Like, it was oh, just man. a treat. Such a treat. Yeah, I could talk all day. And I love that you have yes over your head. I just love that. It reminds <laughs> me of that that John Lennon story. Yeah. Yes. Great. So yeah, totally. Uh, that's actually yeah. uh, my wife who did that, and it was the same type of thing when I when we first started going out. I saw that on her wall, and it was just like the same. I didn't have to climb a ladder to see it, but it was uh-huh. on the wall. I was just like, oh wow. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. It's such a great <laughs> word. You know, it's such a simple three letter uh word you know that's it's so positive and then you had a so you had a, an, another four-letter word love i mean it's just like they're right there yeah. and i do agree it, it's it's love that really conquers all but as as we've been alluding to you really it starts by loving yourself and i know for a lot of people that sounds selfish and you know it's like oh that's egotistical love yourself but it's it, it's not like that no. you know it's no, not it's like not that, like that. Yeah, only it, I thought that I knew how to love other people, but I realized that before I really kind of dove into loving myself, I realized that when I loved other people, I saw myself as someone who who had to love a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I let go of uh, disliking myself, I no longer had to put on an act to love. And then loving totally. came even more deep. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful thank you so much clem really again i can't thank you enough thank you christopher
been a long time since I rock and rolled. It's been a long, lonely, 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 lonely time. Led Zeppelin, way back in 1972, off their classic album Led Zeppelin 4. That is rock and roll, a pretty slamming song, which caused one journalist to say, quote, it's simply the most dynamic hard rock song in the music. <laughs> in the music. And then before that, we heard the Immigrant Song, covered by a very young Nirvana. That was recorded in 1988, and some argue that it was recorded during a college show, and other folks say it was recorded at Chris Novoselic's mom's place above her hair salon. Uh, it would be a year later they recorded and put out Bleach on the Sub Pop record label, and this is when Chad Channing was their drummer. Uh, this version, I actually can't say I know for sure where it comes from, but if you ask me if I had to go to Vegas and place a bet, I'm going with it's from the 2004 with the lights out DVD box set uh, and CD box set of Nirvana. And that's on the DV uh, DVD. You see it's a video recording of them performing it live in like this really weird big room. And Kurt Cobain is like screaming uh, while facing a wall. He's looking right at a wall. Um, and then before that, you heard um, Zapparella. An all-female Led Zeppelin tribute band that formed in 2004, and our guest on Why Music today, Clem the Great, Clem Moss, she is their drummer, and she's the motiva motivating factor uh, behind getting the band together. I don't know if she mentioned that or if she's too humble. I can't recall if it was brought up, but I did a little digging, and I found out that she is the one responsible for getting this amazing band together, and that is their version of When the Levee Breaks. And... I can't believe I interviewed the woman who's playing drums on that. That's, that's pretty phenomenal. She hits hard. Uh, and as a reminder, please don't forget to check out Clem the Great, C-L-E-M, the Great, G-R-E-A-T, all one word, dot com. There you can order your copy of From Bonham to Buddha and Back, The Slow Enlightenment of the Hard Rock Drummer, written by Clementine Moss. And uh, if you... Go to the site. You can find out how to order that book. It's right there. And then you can go into the site and learn more about uh, Sister Clem. And that will wrap up another fantastic, explosive Rainbow Flipper musical explosion. I am your host, CZG123, and I want to thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe. This radio show is found on most major podcast platforms, as well as czg123.blogspot.com. If you go there, there's an embedded radio player which plays every episode, as well articles I've written regarding different aspects of music. I have a new one up there right now about violins and hip-hop. You can also always call the phone number that's in this episode's description or on czg123.blogspot.com. There's a phone number. You can call it and leave a request. I know I can play it. I have every uh, song, every I have access to every song, rather, from 8 AD up to right now, to present day. Uh, maybe next uh, episode we'll play some uh, Beyonce's country album. Uh, I hear it's actually doing very well. Um, I think she also became the first black female to chart uh, on the lists with a country album. So that's pretty phenomenal. And uh, I was a non-believer at first, but boy, I guess uh, <laughs> I was wrong. She could do anything. She's the queen bee. Anyways, I want to thank you all so much for listening to uh, this Rainbow Flipper Musical Explosion. And uh, don't forget, new episodes every TNT. That's every Tuesday and every Thursday. And yeah, subscribe. Tell everyone. Share this program with everyone you know. And I'll leave you with this. There is no time for despair, no place for self-pity. 
No need for silence, no room for fear. We speak, we write, we do language. That is how civilizations heal. And that's a quotation from Toni Morrison. Happy Black History Month. Until next time.